Hello and welcome to the Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, we uh, not sponsored by anyone this week. No, good. Don't have the energy to make up an advert, <laughs> do I? But we are Oscar winners. Now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Changed our name to Oscar Winner <laughs> by Deep Paul. <laughs> welcome to our Wednesday episode of News Reviews, where we talk news and reviews. <laughs> Classic tagline. Classic. Just one of the best of all time. Uh, how are we doing? <laughs> Man, this is going to be a weird one. Uh, <laughs> Should we talk news first? Okay, let's do news. Uh, so obviously this week, um, first of all, let's get this out of the way. Um, George A. Romero passed away this week um, after a, a fairly short battle, I think, against cancer, I believe. Mm. Um, you know, George A. Romero responsible for some of the most important movies, not just horror movies, but movies of all time, particularly Night of the Living Dead, um, changed the way that the cinema sort of viewed what a horror film was capable of. Um, yeah. You know, because it's first and foremost a social commentary and then secondarily to that it's a zombie film so it's an important film and uh, spawned a number of imitators and people who clearly even today you've got the lasting effects of what he did for zombies in terms of pop culture the effects are still visible today Walking Dead's coming back for its 25th season or whatever it is by this point (laughs) so I think there's a great debt that's owed to him, um, and it's important to uh, to just make a note of that. Um, so honour honor the gentleman. Yeah, so, you know, not nice news, but hey, there we are. That's, that's, that's what I'll say. Okay. Shall we talk D23? That's the big because news of the week, the isn't one. it? That's, that's the biggie. So, D23... You have to tell me what D23 is. D23 is the annual Disney convention. I thought it was biannual. Maybe it's Bayern. I don't know. I thought they had one last year. Ooh. I feel that I feel that I'm always talking about. Okay. I genuinely thought they had home, had one earlier this year, and then realised that was Star Wars. Star Wars Celebration. Mm. Now, why does that get its own one? It's part of Disney now. Well, because Star Wars is its own thing. <laughs> okay, but tell me about it. What happened? Um, What's your big news from it? Well, obviously, you went to Florida. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was live correspondent from, yeah. from Florida, so um, you'll just have to remember for me because I've got a, <laughs> I've got I've, the I've lost, fade. I've lost a notepad. Well, should we start talking about um, Wrinkling Time? Hey, I was in Hall H when they unveiled <laughs> that San Diego Comic Con. Which is next week. Which is next week. Um, so, so we're expecting big news to come out of that as yeah, well. Yeah, we'll see what we get from that. Um, but should we talk wink, wink, Wrinkle in Time? Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle Picker in Time. Okay, so uh, A Wrinkle in Time is the new Ava DuVernay film uh, Disney produced. Um, you know, a big thing being made about it in terms of, uh, I think it's the first um, the first film to be given to an African-American woman to direct that has a budget of over $100 million or something yeah. like that. I'm, I'm fairly sure that's the thing. Um but it looks interesting. Yeah. So it's based on a novel, um, and there's a lot of time skipping and world skipping and sort of a huge universe. You know, there's a there's a sort of Valerian feel to it. There's mm. a bit of a Matrixy feel to it. I don't know what to expect. No, I've not read the book. I have to say, nor, nor I. I don't know much about it, but I saw the trailer, and I really like Ava DuVernay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's made two 
really important films mm-hmm. uh, that I've seen anyway, which is Selma and 13th, which is the documentary, yeah. which I will still say to this day, go and watch if you ever get a chance to see it, because it's really important people do. But this is a completely different step for her yeah. uh, from what I've seen, and I'm really excited to see how she handles it. I think there's some definite blue screen in, in the trailer Oh yeah, that you could see. Um, but you know that's the kind of stuff that will probably iron out later on. Let's be honest; the effects you see in a trailer aren't always the effects that you see in the mm-hmm. finished film. But it looks it looks fine enough. Like it, I don't know much about it, and I can't really get too excited as somebody who's not really doesn't really know anything about it. But it looks it's interesting. Got some, got some very there. interesting people in there as well. Like, I like Chris Pine, mm-hmm. for example. Um, you've got Oprah yeah. in this. Um, well, the three main. The three main sort of female characters who form this, there's it's almost like a it seems to be sort of the three wise men yeah. type scenario. Um, you've got Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, and Mindy Kaling. I think that's a really great cast there. I it's, think. A, it's a really interesting mix as well. They've all got different things they can bring to it. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think it looks really it looks like something that I can look forward to. Yes. I'll be excited to see it. Um, so it's due out for release, I think, next year at some point, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, March 9th. Should we talk about something that I'm not looking forward to? Okay, go for it. Tim Burton's Dumbo. Okay, what's wrong with Tim Burton's Dumbo? Two, two things. A, never really had a connection with Dumbo. I never really liked the movie as it is. B, it's Tim Burton, so it's going to be weird for the sake of being weird. Yeah, but the thing is, Dumbo should be terrifying. Because <laughs> it's a flying elephant. Well, if you saw that, you'd be like... Holy shit! Well, number one, the story is not a nice story. You know, it's about an elephant who learns how to fly with his ears. What could be nicer? Right, he's bullied. What? He's called Dumbo. <laughs> he's bullied. We used to call my cousin Dumbo because he had big ears. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> okay, well, that's that's something that I may well cut out, but I don't think your cousin listens, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, he gets separated from his mother. Like, there, there is horrible stuff that happens in this. So, weird for the sake of being weird. I think he's. I think this could be weird for the sake of doing justice to the weirdness. Do you think he'll keep the, the um, racial stereotypes in there? Oh, I absolutely think he should. <laughs> you think he should? Yeah, you know, throwback to an old era. Of course he shouldn't. No, and I don't think he will. I think if, if he has the crows, they'll probably get actual black people to play them rather than white people pretending to be black people. Well, who's casting this? Is like Michael Keaton's in it. Um, uh, it Colin Christian Farrell's Bay? just oh, got yeah, a role in it, Christian I think. Um, a number of people. Hmm. I just... I, I just... Don't want to see Tim, but to fair, I'm, pro- I'm not excited about this at all because I never liked Dumbo as a kid. Mm. I remember seeing it and I had this weird thing where every time I saw it, I felt ill. I don't know why. Okay, I think <laughs> I think this is just you trying to get out of going to school by watching Dumbo and being like, "Oh, mum, I feel ill because of Dumbo." Yeah, it makes made me feel sick again. You're a very strange man. You've got um, you're complex, but not in a good way. <laughs> Um, another interesting film. Yeah, Aladdin. Yes, Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. Yes, because I know you always wanted more Cockney geezers and no goose fat bill. Absolutely not. I don't want duck fat bill <laughs> in your Aladdin. Um, but the, <sighs> the big thing from this is probably the cousin of the genie of being Will Smith. 
Yes, which which has been rumored for months and months now. You know, he'd been in discussions with it with them from the very beginning. It seems, mm. and now finally has been confirmed as the genie. Um, it's. I think it's going to be a poison chalice. It's the problem. I think it's, he's a very you know, charismatic guy, and you're going to have to take it in a different direction. I think no matter what you do with that, that role is, you know. Now there was a comparison that I saw where someone said. Oh hey, give him a chance because everyone said that Jack Nicholson was the only Joker, and then Heath Ledger came. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Jack Nicholson was anywhere near as iconic in that role as Robin Williams was as the genie. No, and I think the genie being uh, being in a film like Aladdin, where it has a uh, a kid friendly vibe, there it's made an impression on a vast majority of the population. Whereas I think I think Jack Nicholson's Joker doesn't really do that, so I think that comparison doesn't really hold up very well. And I think, I think that Robin Williams did make that part his own. Whereas I think Jack Nicholson just sort of did Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Admittedly, Robin Williams is doing Robin Williams as yeah. the genie, but it works for that character absolutely. But then again, I can't see Guy Ritchie making a film in which he allows it to go that way. I can't so see I don't, Gu- I don't think it's going to be anywhere near what Robin Williams was doing. With I that find part. it's a picture of a Guy Ritchie Aladdin movie, and I, I've said many times I really like Guy Ritchie. You know, I think King Arthur has some merit to it in the in the Guy Ritchie esque nature of it, but that's because I like his style. Mm. But that's not to say King Arthur's a good film, by um Just in case anyone was rushing out to the cinema um, to but, go and demand they put it back on. <laughs> but I but I also can't see how Guy Ritchie Aladdin works. Like I just can't picture it. So I'll need, it's one of those but I'll need to see something of it beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other re- Disney remakes, these are like they're remaking everything, is The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um no. They've made some cast announcements, so we've got the ones that we know, like James Earl Jones, um, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen, um, um, the um, other guy, something right. It's oh, uh, Billy Reichner. Billy Reichner. Billy Eichner. Eichner. Go. You've got um, Donald Glover as Simba. Simba. Um, the one that really interests me, that I really like the idea of, is um, John Oliver as um, Zazu. Zazu, which I really like John Oliver. I think he's a great. Great comedian, great what he does. The and modern think, day Rowan Atkinson, I really is what think, we call him. I really think he could <laughs> fulfil that role really well. Now, the interesting one, though, is is Hugh Jackman playing yeah, Scar or not? Hugh Jackman played a real game of hokey-cokey with this one. Um, so, the reports came out a couple of days ago saying, Hugh Jackman is Scar. Mm. And I thought, hey, that's a great casting. I think that's a really solid casting. Then, the next day... Hugh Jackman is definitely not Scar. We've contacted representatives. He's not Scar. So I was really excited when I heard it, though. I yeah, I that's think, actually a really good choice. I think it is a really good choice. I, I do still have concerns over the fact that they decided to get James Earl Jones back in. Hmm. I don't think that's the right choice at all. But, hey. But he's iconic. But make it your own. You can make it your own. Morgan Freeman should have been well, yeah, I mean, that's everyone's choice because when you've got a godlike figure in a, <laughs> in a thing... And that voice. Of course it's going to be more... Um, but apparently they showed the opening scene of mm, yeah, what they've done so far and apparently blew people away. Like, just like Jungle Book did, yeah. you know. So I'm really excited to see what they're doing with that. Like, Lion King, for me, is my favourite Disney property they've mm. done. So I'm really excited for that. Um, they also showed Mary Poppins stuff, mm. um, Emily Blunt. Which I'm looking forward to, actually. Returns. I think that should be really good. Um... 
They showed like Wreck-It Ralph 2 stuff there as well. Um, apparently there's some really nice stuff about, um, I can't remember what her name is, Sarah Silverman's character meeting the Disney princesses. Mm-hmm. Um, that basically going into the internet and going to like Disney site. And they also showed some Avengers stuff mm-hmm. uh, from Avengers Infinity War. Now apparently they sprung it upon people to show part of it, basically a teaser trailer. Yeah, well they, uh, they said, here's the little thing we've been working on for the last 10 years. And it was like a... And, and everyone was like, oh, it's going to be like a retrospective of... And then it was like, oh no, this is actual real footage. That, that apparently it starts with a college. But the thing is, I could tell well, you... Well, I was, was there. I could tell you what I'm was not allowed it. to say. <laughs> uh, it's a non-disclosure agreement I had to sign, so... Well, you know. I, I could tell you what's in this, but I literally have made it so I haven't read any of it. Mm. Um, I've heard like other podcasts I listen to talk through it and stuff. Uh, but I've not listened to anything, so I can't actually tell you what happens. Well, I could, but unfortunately, legality says that I can't. So no, um, all I know so far is Peter Quill is at the start of it. Yeah, That's all and I know. you know he's listening to his Zoom, and it is just the best. But it, what they did show as well is um, they showed that the Black Order is going to be in Infinity War, which yes. we we were kind of hoping. Which the Black Order basically, I think they're called Children of Thanos and this or something. They're basically um, a group of four soldiers, basically, who work for Thanos. And what's interesting about them is they all have different power sets. Because um, one of them is Psylocke, one of them is <laughs> Angel, Angel, one of them is Magneto. Storm, and one of them is Magneto. And Good work. Uh, Thanos is also a different colour than <laughs> normal people. But they, 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 they're basically just a really nice idea that you could split off your Avengers and have them fight these different people. Um, and it makes sense so they're not all just fighting Thanos they've got these other yeah so it's going to be like 7 on 1 instead of 30 on <laughs> just one but, um, but no I'm really really happy they're there um, like I said though I haven't really looked into it that much but I'd rather not I'd rather not I mean I you know me I'm trepidatious about <laughs> Infinity War because there's too many characters but <laughs> you're not having there's, this argument there's, again there's loads of stuff that's come out since like people talking about it and stuff though so I am really excited, excited for this, um, and I've, I'm, I'm hoping it blows us away. Basically, I really do. Mm. Um, it, it is what they're saying. It's a combination of everything they've built so far. So for me, it's it's really exciting. Um, I think that's it for D twenty three. Yeah. Should we move on to our review for this week? Well, I've got a bit of more news. Oh, have you? Doctor Who announced its new Doctor. Yes. It's Jodie Whittaker. Who I it's, am aware of now. It's a female doctor. Mm-hmm. I did the, not watch Broadchurch. Is basically the internet the sum of that. lost their shit. Oh, the internet is full of like, idiots. My God, they're all Colin Creevies. <laughs> they're absolute Creevies. <laughs> like some of the comments, mm. what it has proven is the internet. Is, well, is well not... first of all, the internet doesn't understand that doctors can be women now. Well, is it um, the? Diction- one of the dictionaries pointed out saying in, in it, English it's not a gender defined term yeah. yeah and you know like the problem is whenever you make a casting decision regarding a iconic character mm. and someone who particularly who has traditionally and always has been until this point played by a male then you do get people coming out of the woodwork and going oh but this that and the other this isn't fair because of Never in our lives have we ever heard that it was supposed to be a female. Doctor. But the thing is, they they set it up in the last season apparently of him explaining that 
the doctors are not, not gender specific. They're mm-hmm. very fluid in their nature. Yeah. And with a character like that, it's, it's very easy to do something like that. Yeah. You know, he's talked about in the past that he could come out with tentacles and all sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've never really watched the last series of Doctor Who. Um, I watched some of the Matt Smith stuff. I re- really enjoyed the David Tennant stuff, and that's really where I started falling off. Mm. Um, but I might actually pick it back up and just, just see what what it's what it's like, you know, because I didn't really like Capaldi. And the problem is, um, I also see Peter Capaldi as Malcolm Tucker. Mm. And when he's not Malcolm Tucker, I can't take him seriously. Yeah. And they're like, I want to see him swearing across space. Um, but, you know, this might be... Jacques actually the series needs to kind of freshen it up a little bit. Well, everyone said that this most recent series was the best one in years. Yeah. I'm um, saying that this has been the shot in the arm that the series needs. And in fact, they're annoyed that Capaldi's story sort of came to the conclusion, but they said this is this is the way to do it. So I think they benefited from the fact that they knew that it was going to be wrapping up. Mm-hmm. So it helps them sort of create a, a worthwhile and satisfactory conclusion to that story. So if this indeed has been the best series in a while, maybe it's worth catching up with. I don't maybe. know. I've not bothered watching it for maybe <laughs> six or seven years now. Anyway, what else have you got? That's about it. You just watched the trailer, but I don't think you're ready for that. I want to dedicate a bit more time to the review rather than okay. uh, delving into the trailer. It's the Leatherface trailer. I'll probably talk about Might do a Sunday episode on how terrible it's going to be. <laughs> okay, guys. Review time. Sponsored by the great taste of Kellogg's Special K with red berries. <laughs> Start your day the Special K way. That is a great tagline. Is that their tagline? They've probably used that. I'm going to find out after the show. That's right, the show. War for the Planet of the Apes is the latest blockbuster release, and we're going to talk about it. It is the conclusion to a sort of a thematic trilogy, I think they're, they're mm-hmm. calling it at the moment, um, in terms of Caesar's story, Caesar's um, being the protagonist of it all. Matt Reeves directed it. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff regarding Matt Reeves at the moment because he's come out and ditched the Batman script um, completely and said, we don't like what Ben Affleck did with it. (laughs) So, who knows? Anyway, War for the Planet of the Apes is the film we're talking about. The storyline basically sets this, I think, a few years down the line from the events of Dawn. Yes. It's definitely an older season. It's been 15 years since Rise. So it's a few years down the line from Dawn, and we're now at a point where Caesar is sort of living in a war zone, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the antagonist of this is the colonel played by uh, Woody Harrelson, who runs the Alpha Omega Battalion, and basically is causing a large amount of unrest because he hates these monkeys. Yeah, because it's, it's hard to go into the plot without spoiling some major aspects yeah. of, of it. Um, it, but it's safe to say they are they are sort of rivals. Yeah. What this film does really well is it puts Caesar in a place that we haven't seen him before. Um, it, it forces Caesar's hand to pick a side. Mm. Um, because before we've had a lot of the apes see the humans as the enemy and the humans see the apes as the enemy. But Caesar's always had this humanistic nature because he was treated so well by James Franco's character in the first one. He's always had this kind of faith in humanity and be, an ability to work together and this film does a really good job of kind of forcing his hand and going you have to pick a side mm-hmm. um, and as the leader of these apes it, it, I think it does a really wonderful job of his story has been fantastic over these three films like, I've spoken a lot about 
how much I really enjoy this franchise. And I still think this film is still a strong film. I do believe it is the weakest of the three. Yes, I think that's um, true. But that's not to take away from the fact that it's still a good film. It's still a solid ending to that. I think it's, for me, it felt slightly unsatisfactory ending. But at the same time, I think there's there's a lot of um, expectation when you're coming off the back of those bit. two films. I do think the ending is right. Like, yeah, the, the, the very end. I yeah. think that's... The, I think, the, I think the film plays right. out the way it should play out. The thing I wasn't a fan of, I thought the I actually thought the dialogue was not as good as the other two films. That was my particular Which is really strange because... So, um, the second one, Dawn of the Planet of Apes. Yes. Um, that film, mm. basically Matt Reeves went into the studio and said, this is what I want to do. And they went, that's fine, but you've got to do it now. Mm-hmm. So you need to write it and start filming now. Yeah. This one, he's had three years to write it in. Yeah. So he actually had less time to write the last one in than this one. Um, it's whether that time has actually been mm. too much of a luxury. Maybe... Well, he co-wrote, because he co-wrote this one with Mark Bomback, mm-hmm. um, who I think had co-wrote the previous yeah. one. And I think the problem, uh, I think the problem for me is, I think some of the dialogue doesn't play in a way that feels realistic. And I know in a film where mm-hmm. we're discussing a planet of apes, not necessarily realism is your number one thing. But I think this trilogy has had a really a really strong capability of hitting human notes with the non-human characters. Well, is that one thing of making you side with the, basically, you're supposed to side with humans in situations like this. You're supposed to be like, I'm human. Although in these three films, I would these, argue that these yeah, films have never tried exactly. to get you and on side with humans. And that's what the beautiful thing is. They've made you side with the apes and like realise their journey and it it's a really satisfactory journey to go on where you can believe everything that happens. And even in this film, I still think you can. Mm. Um, I still think there's a, there's a whole lot to enjoy. I think I didn't really take that much away from the dialogue. I think you're right. There are times where it does seem stilted. And I think there's times where the, the plot seems to become a bit stale. Yeah. But that's counterbalanced by times where I think there are real genuine emotions and real genuine moments like there's like I know you weren't as much of a fan of Woody Harrelson's character as me no. but I think there are a couple like the face to face meetings um, and especially the um, last meeting they have mm-hmm. um, is is really well played um, I liked Bad Ape as well in this, who was Steve Zahn's character, character, yeah. Who's a new addition to the um, series, who's basically an ape who... Came from a zoo. Yeah, and learnt, learnt to talk. Mm-hmm. By studying humans, mm. essentially. And he's, know, called bad, the and he's called Bad Ape because the humans called him Bad Ape, and he assumed that's his name. Um, and I thought it was really great for moments of levity. I know you you weren't that keen on him. I, I just didn't feel like any of the moments of levity played well. I didn't... I, I understand that humour is completely subjective in yeah, terms yeah. of, you know, I I got to the point where I was just going, okay, this character is not hitting anything for me. I can write this off as being an element that just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. And but it's... doesn't work for me, but could well, you know, there were a couple of people in the audience who did like his stuff. And I, I really liked it. I thought that, I thought it played really well for me. Um, what else do we have in this? We've got... Obviously... But actually what I would say 
is that I didn't feel like the film needed the moments of levity. Mm. I felt like the the somber tone of the film would have actually carried better if you hadn't have tried to punctuate it with that character. Okay. For me, that's what I would have wanted to see because I think the way in which you've told this story over three films, I would much rather see it play out that way than than try and yeah, get yeah. into there. And the Woody Harrelson thing, I think there there are bits of it that I quite like, the bits of the character that I quite like. There are bits of it where I'm just going, oh, okay, you're doing Apocalypse now, and I get that. And mm. he is an amalgamation of a couple of different characters you've seen in a lot of war films, yeah, but yeah. No, most notably uh, Colonel Kurtz and Colonel Kilgore from Apocalypse Now, which this film references a lot, a, significantly. It's the second monkey movie this year to have done that. And uh, I think we we spoke about this a bit. I genuinely think that um, Kong Scott Island did it better. Yes, I, th- I think the. The references in Kong Skull Island seem to be homages, whereas this at times feels like it's borrowing from and not necessarily paying tribute to, but mm-hmm. actually just sort of using those tropes in a way that it, it helps their story. But to anyone who's ever seen Apocalypse Now, you kind of go, okay, yeah. not a huge problem in the grand scheme of things. I still think what I would say about the trilogy as a whole is that of recent times, certainly in the 21st century, it is one of the strongest trilogies of films we've seen. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a huge amount of credit's got to go to Rupert Wyatt, first of all, for doing Rise, because I think Rise, for me, is still my favourite. I think Rise really works. Is that the first one? First one, yeah. My favourite's the second one. Uh, I felt like the second one was a... a... I really like um, Kobo, is it? Kobo. Uh, to- Kobo, Toby, Toby Kimmel's character. Yeah. I think really really works as an antagonist in that movie. Mm. Um, that's the second of my favourite, and then the first, then this. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, there's there's themes that carry through also, from, from if we're gonna, three. If we're going to give credit to anyone as well, Andy Serkis' performance in this one as well is phenomenal. And the, the way that we have got to in motion capture mm. is insane. I think what would be interesting now, like, I, you know... We've discussed this before um, off podcast and said, you know, he should deserve, he deserves some recognition mm. in terms of awards. You know, it is a, it feels like it is an Oscar worthy performance at times. The issue that I have now is that I'm thinking if I go back and watch Rise again from 2011, which is a long time ago in terms of yeah. technology moves that fast, how well has that dated? I want to see. I've not seen it in a while. Because I haven't seen it since it came out. But I I would question. love to see it again and see if if I'm feeling like, oh, after seeing this level, I think this, this the level of depth and detail. Like, there is a moment where Woody Harrelson says, look at look at your eyes, they're almost human. Mm. Well, you can, and you can see the human in the face. You see the Andy Serkis in the yeah. face. Like, the, way, the way he reacts and, you know, they, they're showing him, like, covered in ice and stuff like that. And mm. you go... That's incredible that we can put that on screen now. Yeah. Like, it, it is phenomenal. Like, really, really. Like, if there's anything else to take from this film, like, the way it looks, like, when you get those those apes is amazing. Mm. Um, and also, the score as well, I think, is really, really nice in this as well. It really kind of picks things up. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I really did. I, I thought it was really strong. I don't think it's one of the strongest of the year, like some people 
people have been saying. But no, I, think, I don't think so. But I think in terms of blockbusters, you know it's going to be hard to beat the quality of these apes films. I think they've done really absolutely. well. Absolutely, and I think like and right from the beginning, like all said, three of them have hit it. If you want a trilogy of movies, like you could do a lot worse than watching. And these. and I do think the end is a fitting end for for this this arc. Mm. Right? I think it really works, and uh, the way it ends. Um, no, absolutely recommend for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think in, in terms of this summer's big money releases, there'll be a couple that I think I've got expectations of that might be higher than this, namely Dunkirk, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, comes out this week. Um, but I think it, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a blockbuster that delivers on multiple fronts like this one does. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're you're right in that. And I think as much as, as, much as a sort of down-step as it kind of does feel for me from the previous two, I still enjoyed it a hell of a lot and I still yeah. found a lot of stuff I liked in it. I just didn't feel like enough of it played for me to go, oh, it's up there with the other two. I mm-hmm. think, but as a, as a trilogy, they absolutely work and the story is correct and the story for me wor- works really well. So yeah. I think it's a double recommend. I think, you know, of the stuff at the cinema at the moment, you're sort of spoiled for choice. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of good stuff out there at the moment. You know, you've got Spider Man. You've got it comes at night. Still got um, a couple of showings. Baby around. Driver makes. Baby Driver still got is... some showings as well. So, if you're looking for new releases now, if you've caught up with everything, this is absolutely worth yeah. going to see. And you know, I think it will do well enough. And I, my one worry is that they will now go into doing spin-offs and sequels. Yeah, and, I'm interested to see what they. But he's not coming back for any more. Um, how much time do we have left? Is a couple of minutes. I'll quickly talk about it. I watched Castlevania, mm-hmm. which is a Netflix series based on the Castlevania games. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly short. Okay. Like, four episodes each, 25 minutes I mean, long. that makes it sound like it's terrible, and you're like, oh, mostly short. But <laughs> it's more of, more of anything of, if you wanted to commit to a series, like, you don't want to commit to like, a 20 episode series at the moment, um, you know, it's it's nice and compact. I watched it all in back to back, all four episodes. Yeah. Um, based on the games of the same name. Now, I've never played a Castlevania game, but mm-hmm. basically, the story is it's a man who, by the time looks things, goes into take on Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, really well done, I think. I think it's it's a it's a competent enough series. I wouldn't say it's fantastic, right? But I wouldn't say it's bad. Okay. Um, it's all animated. It's um, written by somebody or another, like a comic book writer, Warren Ellis, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it was all written by him. Richard Armitage plays your main character. Um, and what it does really well is, in the first episode, it really tells you why actually you should feel sympathetic for Dracula. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he basically tells this village, I'm going to come back to you in a year's time. I'm going to give you a year to prepare to make peace and then I'm going to kill you all. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like a really bad thing to do. But actually, it does a good job of letting you know why he's doing that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to spoil anything for you because if you do go and watch it, it's actually really nice. Like, it's right near the beginning but it's a really nice moment you get and I think it, you earn more by enjoying that yourself. Sure. And then it's the story of this guy who's part of a family uh, with a lineage of killing vampires and creatures going to... Dracula's castle to go and basically save the day. Yeah. My problem with this was after four episodes, I genuinely felt like this is what I would expect from the first episode of a series like this. Yeah. I didn't think we'd progressed far enough to actually justify 
going, oh, that's series one for you. Right. Now, apparently they've recommissioned it, and I would be interested to see more of it down the line, but I didn't feel like, actually, we've we've learnt all that much here. Mm-hmm. We've had a couple of nice moments, and I think, you know, at times it is gory. Um, at times it is funny. That mm-hmm. is really funny. And at times it, it does have this kind of heart to it. But I do think that I could have got all that in one episode of, say, a different series, um, you know. But but would you rather them take the time to set everything up properly and then come back next year? Because the next series is releasing early next year, supposedly. In, in a way, and it's a, an eight-episode series. In a way, yes. In a way, no. Because basically, because the tradition of American sitcoms and things is always that they will do a very short initial season run, usually six episodes instead of twenty-four. And then they come back having set everything in motion. But I feel that basically I've got to the end of a series and they've gone, oh, we're going to go take on Dracula. And you go... But that builds your anticipation. And you go, yeah, but you've done really nothing. You've got into... Basically... But the, you've the just series, said it does a real real good but job yeah, of... It does, it does have that really nice... That, but that's the sounds first... Sounds like my kind of series. But that's the first episode. That's mm-hmm. the first 25 minutes. The problem is you've then got three more episodes where... Mm-hmm. I'd say in those three episodes, there's really a couple of moments that really compare to that first moment. Mm-hmm. If you get what I mean, like there's moments in there that are nice, but that first episode has pretty much everything you need to go. Okay, I I enjoy this. You want to see more, and it has definitely a moment in there where they start doing some platforming because there are platforming games, and it really seems like a kind of nudge, nudge. Hey, guess what? This was a game at one point, and you go, oh yeah, I see that. You know, I'm being fairly negative toward, towards it, but I think there's definitely something there. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they've given me enough yet. And I, I, it almost seemed like it was Netflix dipping its toe in the water and going, let's see if anyone gets behind this. Mm. Let's see if anyone's actually interested in this okay. because there's a chance for us to cancel it if not. Yeah. Um. So it, it, it almost seems like... Cause I'd say it's fair to say Netflix do take risks. Yeah. And I think this is not one of them. Okay, you think this is a safe bet? Yeah, well, it's in, in the in the chance, in the case of them going, we don't know if people are going to like this or not. Let's put four short episodes out, see how many people watch it, if it looks like it's doing okay, which it must have done to have got that second season. Mm. That was only announced after it came out. The same day. Um, they must have gone, okay. There's enough interest behind this. Let's put the second one into the thing. So it, it just seems like it's going to... Like, definitely check it out, especially if you're a fan of anime um, and if you like the Castlevania series or, or this, anything I've said gives you some kind of inkling of, actually, I might check this out. Do check it out and obviously decide for yourself because it's not going to take much time out of your day. Mm. Okay. But I do think there are definitely problems with it. Um, but... But saying that, I will watch the second series because like, it has interested me enough to go there. Which there you are, it's done its job. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's where we're going to have to leave it for this episode. As always, thanks go to Andy. Wait, no. Come on now. Where can they find us, Alex? That's not even the right way of ending the podcast. <laughs> find us on Stitcher, on iTunes, and on Buzzsprout. We are at Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. No fucking balls. Yeah. We're- we're, we are the Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. Man. Nerdcast on Facebook. Yep. Dinosaur Man 15 on Twitter, because that is the amount of thumbs up we should receive from each person. They have to be <laughs> mutants. They have to be mutants. Um, 
as always, you can rate, comment, subscribe, review, leave a like, and tell your friends. And yes, I mean we're worldwide smash hits at this point. So I don't know. You went to D twenty three for God's sake. Do we need, oh, I'm so humid from Florida. <laughs> um, uh, Johnny Neves has ever did the theme song. This time it was a sort of 1989-inspired video game uh, soundtrack, so it was a lot of bleeps and bloops and sort of creaky piano sounds. (laughs) Andy, thank you for hosting. Thank you for being here, Alex. Until next time. Well, maybe bust out the old SNES and play some (laughs) Castlevania? Was it for SNES? I don't know, it's been on a few things. It's been on a few things throughout the years. Bust out a few things and play Castlevania 3, Wrath of Khan. Go go find your newest pachinko machine and play Castlevania the pachinko. Get your your bloody Ataris out and absolutely go wild. Get your Amstrad out and play a text-based adventure (laughs) that places you at the heart of the maelstrom. Dinosaur, dinosaur, man. Where'd he come from? 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 Dinosaur.